Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 18, please. For you're not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto the blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet, a voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are not come to Mount Zion. But ye are come to Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that speak on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have come and spoken from heaven. We thank you, Lord, the first time that you spoke your commandments, Lord Israel could not keep them. No man could keep them. And yet, Lord, we fail every day ourselves, but through your Son, in the new covenant, we find ourselves righteous in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you that you still speak. You still speak to unregenerate hearts. You still speak to those who are weak and weary. You still speak to those, Father, who, Lord, who are needing encouragement by the way. And we thank you, Lord, that you're speaking this morning. Because, Lord, your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we know, Lord, that your word will not return unto you void. But it will accomplish that thing whereunto you have sent it, Lord. It will turn lives, change lives. And, Lord, it will speak into lives. Lord, we will do what you say and we will preach your word. We will witness of your son. But, Father, one may plant And another may water, but only you can give the increase. Holy Spirit, give the increase of the word this morning. Lord, may you take your word and increase it in our hearts. And may your word be magnified, even Lord, as you've said above all your name. And glorify your own self this morning. We love you. With all we are and all we have, we love you. But we only love you because you first loved us. So we ask it, Father, this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. We have covered a lot of ground so far. And as you know, we looked at this reading because it speaks of Old Covenant and New Covenant. The Old Covenant was Israel around the foot of Mount Sinai and there were thunders and lightnings and the commandments were given. Remember, Moses comes down and Israel had rose up to play. They sat down to eat and rose up to play. And it shows you that as man worships his own heart, in other words, the idol of the bull calf was what they thought Jehovah was, or Yahweh, because simply they saw the worship of the bull in Egypt. God must be like that. And so they take what they have, and in their mind they make an idol. And of course God gives a commandment that they should not bow before an idol. 
It should not build an idol, whether it's of wood or stone or plaster or anything else. No idol should be built and bowed down to. And so when Moses comes down, remember they're, they're playing and they're worshipping around this idol. And this bull calf became, even in later on days in Israel, regenerated itself as it were. It came forward again whenever there was a calf put in Dan and one in Bethel. And the cry was, these be thy gods, O Israel. Running after things that are not after the things of God. I wonder in our own hearts this morning as we are New Testament or New Covenant believers. And we believe in a whole Bible. But we are under the blood. That's why I'm saying that. But I wonder in our own hearts what idol we form when we think of the Lord Jesus. I wonder what idol we form when we think of Almighty God. Is God like this or is he like that? Is he how we want him to be? Is God how, is the God that we serve the God who we think he is so we like him? Or is he the God of the Bible who challenges the heart? Is he the God of the Bible who has redeemed the heart yet challenges the heart? Is he the God of the Bible who convinces the heart? And yes, even would convict the heart in the sense that he he tells us when we're veering wrong through his spirit, this is the way, walk ye in it. And under the sound of his word, is it, he comes to change us, to renovate us, to, to tell us to change our minds and our thoughts, which is repentance, really. Uh, is that the God we don't like? Or is the God that we like the one who lets us do what we like, live how we like, say what we want, or even do things that no one else knows about, only ourselves and Almighty God? Is he the God who doesn't plant faithfulness into us because we, we still have a mini-God in our heart called self and selfishness and we don't want to be faithful to God? That's why I even said what the hymn writer said or the old poet said, the dearest idol I have known... Whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. In other words, there's times when we do have our own little idols placed in our own hearts and that's what we worship at, that's what we chase after. And whether it's even the, the, the idol of, of riches or comfort or whatever, and there's nothing wrong with having money and being comfortable, but it's loving that over loving Christ. That's the difference. You can be a billionaire and love the Lord Jesus with all your heart and put him first. But sometimes it's hard because your billions of money could take the place of Christ. It's where we place Christ in our lives. It's where we place Christ even according to our jobs and our families to where we are. Christ demands first. First place. Brother, even over your wife. Even over your husband, sister. Christ first. No matter what, there's no sitting on the fence here. Christ demands the heart and he demands it first. So, and believe it or not, it's even over your children. It should be Christ first, then your family, then the church. That's the order, the packing order. And some places may say, Christ first, then the church. That's not right. Because I've done that for quite a lot of years and I found out to my own detriment that that's wrong. Family and then the church. But Christ first. And Christ and Christ alone. And when you place him first, you're come 
unto Jesus, the mediator. That's what the Bible says, Hebrews 12. Remember we looked at the, uh, we looked at the, the company that we keep and I think it was the first part. You look at the first part here, or your, your, your company should be the innumerable uh, number of angels, the spirits of God made perfect. You're come on to Jesus and the church of the firstborn. That should be your company, your lifestyle, how you and I live, who we spend time with. And sometimes even old friends can say, come spend time with me. And if you want to go and meet them for a coffee, that's fine. But once they start saying, come and come where I am, go where I go, then you are walking wrong to go to their places. Bring them to where you are. Because you have come from the world. We're going to look at that. You have been delivered from that world. And you have been translated or placed into the kingdom of God's dear son. Now we want to look at that under the new covenant. Here in Hebrews 12 it talks about the the, the mountain. And everyone was afraid to come near it. Remember Moses breaks the ten commandments. Reminds us of how Israel had broken the commandments. And every one of us had broken the law of God. And in the new covenant, Christ keeping the law and nailing our sins on the cross makes us completely righteous in him. So brother, you might have failed this morning. Sister, you might have failed this morning. And I'll tell you, you probably failed and you didn't even know you failed as well. But you're washed in the blood. And the grace of God abounds over your sin. And his mercy is new and fresh every morning. So don't be sitting with condemnation in your heart this morning. Don't be sitting here saying, does God still love me? Am I still his child? Because I've failed in certain ways. Listen, we all fail. And we fail and we don't even know we've failed. And God keeps on loving his children. Keeps on pouring out his grace and love upon us. So in the new covenant, you and I are made righteous in Christ. Not a wee bit righteous. Completely righteous in Christ. Completely righteous. And we are consecrated or sanctified we looked even at how we are crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ that liveth in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me as Paul says in Galatians 2 and 20 and here we looked at that I think it was last week crucified in Christ or with Christ so let's look at something else this morning go with me please the book of Colossians The book of Colossians, please. Colossians chapter 1. We are going to do a Bible study here. Some people like you just tell a few stories and rhyme a few off and give away a few uh, analogies and things like this. But I I want you to get the word in. I want you to say, when you go home, it's nice to hear an illustration. Uh, It's nice to hear a wee story. But you really need to get the word in. For when trouble comes your way, It's the word that will sustain you. When weakness comes to you spiritually, it's the word that sustains you. It's always the word that sustains you. So when you know who you are in Christ and you understand the new covenant, you will be encouraged, you will be strengthened, you will give thanks because you'll look at the Lord and say, you've done that for me. He loved me and gave himself for me. Forget the person beside you. We say that when we're going to sing and worship. Forget the person beside you and focus on the Lord. Well, forget the person beside you this morning and think about yourself here and him. This is between you 
and the Lord this morning. Colossians chapter 1. Let your eye run down please. To verse 12. Paul says. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Notice in light. The inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Okay. A was accepted in the beloved. As we get further down the line, I'm not going to round these off because there'll be 26 of them at the end of it. I think if I can get 26 out of it, I'll have to make sure I get one for every letter. Accepted in the beloved was A. B was born of God. C was crucified with Christ. D, you are. Present tense. It's been a past action having present results. You are delivered. You're not being delivered. You are delivered from the power of darkness. If you're a believer this morning, if you're blood washed and you're blood bought, notice what it says here in verse 13, who hath delivered us. He has delivered us. Not will deliver us. You are delivered. In other words, the power of darkness has no hold or realm over you. The devil has no claim to you. He has no right on you. No power over you. You are delivered. You have been delivered from the power of darkness. Now, the believer who starts to trifle with the things of darkness, leave themselves open, not for possession. A believer can't be possessed. When the Holy Ghost comes in, everything else goes out. You're delivered. But you can't be oppressed. If you walk in dark areas, you're going to meet dark fellows. But when you come out from those dark areas, you realize they have no hold over you. You know, you don't need to walk on those ways or in those areas. And God's light is upon you. You are, have your fellowship with the saints in light. And your fellowship goes back to Hebrews 12, the innumerable company of angels... The church of the firstborn. And of course as we look at the spirits of just men made perfect. And ye are come unto Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. That's who you are believer. It's time to, to, to get it into you. No. Everybody gets a bit down at times. Gets a bit well, work relating things and things that happen to them. You get annoyed or stressed. We all do. So do I. We all do. We all, things get on top of us at times, but there's people and they're believers and they're allowing either themselves or others or circumstances and situations or the devil or whatever. You're allowing things to defeat you, to have you walk in defeat. When you are delivered, you're not defeated. You are a child of the living God. And within you is the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You have the living God inside you. And he is your strength this morning. Notice this, you are delivered from the power of darkness. Now see the word delivered. I want to strengthen this word 
for a moment here. Look up with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's read verse 10. Here the Thessalonica church, uh, church of Thessalonica, if you want to put it that way. Uh, Paul writes to him, listen to what he says. Let's go to verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. Notice, and how you turned, repented, changed your mind, took away the idols, turned to God from idols. Now, in your prayer life, in your worship life, in your reading life, in your church life, in your life, you have to look and see what is it that's causing me in my life? What is it that I have in my heart? What little idol am I holding on to that is keeping me from the blessing of God? That's keeping me from fellowship with him. Notice what he says, that they had turned from To God from idols, notice, to serve the living and true God. Here they're serving dead, lifeless idols. Can't help them. Eyes and they see, ears they hear. Mouths they do not speak. And here they're wondering, I'm chasing after these things and, you know, but where's my life with God? Suddenly they turn away. That means they change their mind and they repent. And they place God, the living and the true God. Nothing like knowing the absolute truth. And here they take the idol from their heart and from their mind and worship the living God, the living and the true God. Notice what it says now in verse 10. And to wait. Oh, it's hard waiting, isn't it? It's hard to get your patience. I have to admit that's one of my weaknesses. I have very little patience. Went to go out last night and I went to a certain restaurant and they said, come and sit and we'll give you a nice table, but it could be an hour and a half. Do you get your dinner? And I said, it doesn't matter, just forget about it. And Alison says, but we're out for the night. I says, I'm not waiting for an hour and a half. And I drove around that much, and I drove around that long. It took me an hour and a half to get to the next place, because I drove around a few. <laughs> so I should have just waited, see? Waiting. I haven't the patience. And I go in, give me my dinner, I want to go out again. Here we have, it says, to wait for his son from heaven. Here we are serving Here we are delivered. Here we have turned our hearts toward God and we are serving, occupying until he comes. Now here's the thing, believer. Here's the thing for the redeemed heart this morning. Ask yourself, am I truly occupying until he comes? Am I truly occupying? Am I walking in the Spirit? Am I serving him in the power of God? Ask yourself this. Am I disposing of every idol that appears in my heart to serve the living and true God? Or am I content where I am, under power? And only for God there would be a broken relationship. Let's be honest. They're all like that. Only for him we'll have a broken relationship. Here we have... The, 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 the church and they're saying, they're saying or Paul says you're waiting you're waiting you're being patient and you're serving 
the living and the true God, and you're waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, notice, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now here we have, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, we are delivered from the power of darkness. Now we are delivered from the wrath to come. Before I go any further, I want to open this word, delivered for you. Now the little word delivered here gives the idea, you know what it's like, if you were to, if there's a postman here, you know what it's like to deliver letters. You know what it's like to deliver a parcel. If someone leaves something at your home, you say, I'll drop that umbrella off or whatever, you go and you drop the door, you take it from your hand and you deliver it. You're giving it from yourself. The word here in the Greek is not that tense. It is not like that. It means that whenever you are in trouble, whenever you and I were unsaved, whenever you and I didn't know the Lord and we were shrouded, walking and covered in darkness and sin in this world, the word delivered here means to draw to oneself. To draw to one's self. It means to draw to oneself, to take to oneself, to rescue to oneself, to save the oneself. In other words, you and I were in our sin, bound for hell, and God in his grace, he came to us. And he spoke kind words of the gospel and the new covenant of Christ, and he drew us to himself. Took us right out. Some of us have had a, a, a colourful past and lifestyle, and he drew you out. Spoke the gospel, someone witnessed, and he drew you from that life. And you're under the power of darkness, and he came to rescue you. Do you not feel loved this morning knowing that he done that for you? He came to draw you to him. You didn't want to know him. I didn't want to know him. In fact, we couldn't know him. You know why? Because we were dead. Spiritually, we were dead. And he came and started speaking words of comfort, words of life, words of hope, words of reconciliation, words of beauty. He just loved us and he loved us and with irresistible grace, he drew us to himself that's the idea of delivered so here we are drawn delivered onto God from the power of darkness we are delivered as the Thessalonian letter says we are delivered from the wrath to come God drew me and drew you from wrath In other words, we didn't know the Son and we didn't have the Son of God and God's wrath was on us. Keep the word wrath in your mind here for it's to do with the word darkness. God's wrath was on me. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. The power or the wrath of God is upon him. The darkness of God, isn't that strange? The wrath of God, in other words, 
There's a wrath coming. It's a, a blackness and a darkness forever. Think about it. You and I were under darkness and we would have went to the blackness of darkness forever. The wrath of God poured out upon a guilty sinner. Every one of us are guilty, by the way. And yet, because he loved us, he brought us under the sound of his word and he started to comfortly call us and draw us with his gospel through the power of his spirit. His irresistible grace meant we might fight it for a a, a day, a week, a month, a year, a few years, a lot of years. We might fight with God about it. We might not want to come with him over it, but God was speaking it to us and he wouldn't let us go and he drew us. It's called irresistible grace. Do you know what it's like when you're on a diet and there's a big bar of chocolate or a box of chocolate sitting in front of you? The mouth starts to drool at the corner here. Oh, irresistible and eventually let's be honest you say one wouldn't hurt (laughs) well in a greater sense God came kept showing his delights and we see him and say he's a wonderful God irresistible grace he just kept loving me until I said Lord why do you love me I don't understand it he just did and he loves you. He just does. You are delivered, drawn to him from the wrath. So the wrath was over us. Let's look at another one quickly. Go to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And this is all under the same. The Greek word, by, by the way, is, a, is a, a word, ruomi. It means to draw to oneself. To draw to oneself. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, please. And... Verse 1, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. That's beautiful, isn't it? Think of the language when you're reading the word of God. Pray for us that the word of the Lord will have free course. That whenever you pray for us, that wherever we preach, the word of the Lord will flow like a river into hearts. Changing lives, touching spirits, saving souls. Notice this. That the word of the Lord will have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Just like you're saved that others will come to saving faith. Verse 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men of not faith. Ah, so you're delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Wicked men and unreasonable men who do not know the word of God but would have you. Do things contrary to the word of God. Live contrary to the word of God. And our government's contrary to the word of God. Even as we heard this morning, these, uh, some of the, they're having the vote of, about the, the change of the, the constitution of marriage. Men who don't know God are going to vote on the things that God has instituted from the beginning. God made them male and female. Adam and Eve. The old saying is not Adam and Steve. It's Adam and Eve. Man and woman together. Not man with man or woman with woman. And God delivered us from that. Delivers us from that word. Has called us to himself. And so here's another deliverance that God has for you this morning. To deliver you from things that are contrary to his word. And contrary to the law of God. Let's go on. To the next one quickly. Go to Second Timothy, please. 
I've just picked a few out here that, that are the same Greek word that we can look at. Second Timothy and chapter 3. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says in verse 10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine or teaching, the manner of life. Notice he says, you know my lifestyle, my love for him. Purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. The Lord drew me to himself. Paul here is talking about persecutions and he's in Asia. A lot of people think it's around, maybe the, he talks about the beasts of Ephesus and it could be around there, but nevertheless as well. Here we have Paul saying that he was delivered from trials and temptations and persecutions. That's your Lord this morning. He says, if you trust in him and walk with him, and you're coming on to Jesus, a mediator of the new covenant, then through his spirit living in you, remember the the new covenant is found in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33, and then Hebrews chapter 8, new covenant made with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. He says, I write my law in their inward parts and put it in their hearts and so on. And, 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 And that covenant that we come under, That covenant says, when you're walking with me, he says, I will deliver you. He says, I will rescue you. I will save you from persecutions. And there's people when they come to the Lord and they're they're afraid to come for salvation and they say, if I got saved, I'd be persecuted in my work or in my house or in my family. And there's many do. But nevertheless, Christ means more to them than everything else. It's like Moses forsaking and leaving the treasures of Egypt to go with the children of Israel. And here the idea is that you place Christ first and the persecution that will come, God promises to deliver you. To save you out of it. To draw you to himself. Let's go to another one quickly. We're running out of time. Second Timothy 4. Verse 17. In fact go to verse 16. At my first answer no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be led to their charge. Notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That by me the preaching might be fully known. And that all the Gentiles might hear that and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. And will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here Paul is in prison. He's going to stand before Nero for the second time. Nero's going to. Nero's going to cut his head off. He's going to execute him. He's going to the chopping block. And Demas forsakes him. Luke was with him. He says, everybody says around me. He says, we're leaving me. But the Lord stood with me and delivered me. That means the Lord drew me to himself. Can you imagine that? When all others leave you and all, all else has forsaken you, he, the Lord says, I will stand with you. And I'll deliver you. 
You ever feel like that sometimes? You're like the last man, the last woman standing. You're all alone. He says, I'll deliver you. You know why? Because you're under the new covenant. This is all to do with the new covenant. Let me move quickly to this one. will be the last one of these. Second Peter, please. Chapter 2. Second Peter, chapter 2. Let your eye run down to verse 7. This is about Lot, Abraham's nephew. And he goes to Sodom and Gomorrah, that, those vile cities. And Peter says, and the Lord delivered just Lot, which vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For, the righteous, for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now, Lot was in Sodom. He, he is vexed with the filthy conversation. Notice the word. Filthy conversation. You know what it means? The word conversation is their lifestyle. Their homosexual lifestyle. That's what it was. They were, the Bible says it was a filthy lifestyle. Now that sounds strong, but that's the truth. That's what the Bible says. It was a filthy conversation. A filthy lifestyle. And it says that Lot, his soul was vexed. He knew better for he was, he traveled with his uncle Abraham. And then he seen greed and he wanted more. And he went off and he, he, he ended up in Sodom. And his soul was vexed. Now here's the thing. Lot had a God in his heart. Replacing the true and living God. And that God was getting gain. That God was the things of the world over the things of the living God. And what happened? He knew better so it vexed him. But he didn't come out of it. He didn't do anything about it. He didn't say, I can't watch this. He didn't stand up against it. He didn't say, I'm leaving Sodom. He sat there because one, he was comfortable. And two, he was getting much. And three, he had power, position and prestige. And it overcame him more than his love for the Lord. I thank God in his grace and mercy he sent the angels down. To lead him by the hand out before he destroyed the city. Can you see the grace of God? Here's a man who's in the world. Who's a child of God. He's in the world. He's with a, a city that's full of filthiness. Lifestyles were filthy. And yet he's, he, he's living among it. He's no longer godly. But he's still a child of God. God knew exactly where he was. And what he was doing. What he was getting up to. The condition of his heart. And God in his grace still came and delivered him. You know, you're never gone too far where God will forget you. You've never gone too deep that God cannot lift you out. You've never sinned too much where God cannot forgive you. And God would deliver him. And God took him out. That's what Peter tells us about Lot. Look at the grace of God. How God's grace came and swallowed up Lot and his family. And took them out of Sodom. And Lot should have been Burnt to a crisp like everyone else with fire from heaven. God loved him. See, God doesn't give up on you, brother. God doesn't give up on you, sister. He just loves you through it. May chastise you in it, but he loves you through it. Let's round it up with this. Look at the next verse. Verse 8. Sorry, verse 10. 9, sorry. (laughs) 
Pardon me, verse 9. Notice what he says. The Lord knoweth how. Praise God that he knows how. Lord, I don't know how to get out of this. Lord, I don't know how to get my heart back in order. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Lord, I don't know where my strength's coming from. Lord, I don't know this and I don't know that. And Lord, I'm just so incapable, Lord. I don't know what way to turn, Lord. But the Lord knoweth. The Lord knows where you are and who you are. Knew where Lot was and he came to his rescue. Here the word is. But the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And you might say, oh, the temptations are too much for me. Listen, Paul says, there's no temptation taking you but such is common to man. But God is faithful. You're not faithful. He's faithful. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with that temptation. With the temptation. In other words, whenever you're tempted, he will always make good out of the things that are bad. Make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The idea is no temptations taking you that you can't deal with. For God will deliver you. God is with you. I'm hoping you're taking this in this morning to encourage you in your walk. And to see where am I. And if I had an idol in my heart and God's second or third or way down the list. Christ is away somewhere else. So we finish with this. We're going to have to come back to this verse because we only touched one word. And we'll do it again next week. But look at this. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Oh dear. He knows how to deliver me. What makes me so special? I could say, well, Paul, I'm the chiefest of sinners. There's nothing special about me. But for some reason, he loved me. And he loves you. He knows how to deliver you. But those who are not his, they are reserved. They're under the wrath. They're under the blackness and the darkness for judgment. It's only in Christ, under the new covenant, that we're saved. Christ and Christ alone. So may God bless his word this morning. I want to look at the darkness next week. There's a few words in there that are fantastic. I'll pull out for you. And I'll knit it together and we'll go on a little further. God bless us this morning. Thank you for your attention. It's tremendous. And